Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Christ Supreme series, where Dr. Jones teaches verse by verse through the book of Colossians to show that Jesus Christ reigns supreme above any alternative the world offers. Now let's join him for today's message. Today's title is Christ Supreme. In this letter to the Colossians, Paul on an overarching kind of meta scale, he's arguing that Christ is supreme over all else. He's the goal of creation. I love it. It's, it's almost like, well, what other message is worthy of trusting apart from Jesus? Because Jesus is creator of all. His relationship to God, his relationship to creation. But he doesn't stop there. He even gives us relationship to his church, to his followers. And this is important because you, you think about Think about when you go into, if you ever go into a corporate setting and there's a conference room and everybody comes in, there's typically one sit, seat that nobody sits in and then all of a sudden somebody comes in and sit in it. They sit in it. It's usually the, either the boss, the CEO, the chairman of the board. It, they, they sit at the head of the table. It's the head of the table. Everybody's looking to there. That's where all the direction comes from. You see it in families. You go to a family dinner, whether it's the patriarch or the matriarch of the family, they sit at the head of the table. Why? Because they, they, they call the shots in how the family functions. They exercise this authority over the rest of the family. See, when it comes to creation, Jesus is called the, the firstborn. But not, not just firstborn in Remember, amongst, he's firstborn over. It's about his status and rank over the creation. Here, he says that he is the head of the body in verse 18. Who is the body? The church. It says he's the beginning. And then he says, firstborn again. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's reconciled everything to himself. He says, even when we were hostile and alienated, he reconciled us through his body. We were hostile in our minds and our actions were evil. But because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, it says that he is the head of the church. I Meaning he directs all authority of the church lies in Jesus. Now, as a church planter, we used to go to different conferences and different meetings and and have different conversations and we would be in, you know, different groups. And, you know, the conversation would come up sometime. We talked to older churches too. And like, who, who's in charge of the church? And sometimes you get all these, all these different answers. And it's like, no, no, at the end of the day, Jesus is in charge of the church. And we order everything under him because he is Lord. He is God. He is creator. And what he's done for us. He says that he's this head because of what he's done for us. This word head is talking directly about authority. And we, and we understand that. We all have our heads and 
Even though our bodies are interdependent, we're not doing anything without this head. We need this brain to work. Once you're brain dead, that's, that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. That's it. Not coming back from that. The brain is the control center. Jesus is the control center. He calls all the shots. And there's a reason why he gives us this. It says that, oh, 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 oh. Let, me, let me do this. Let me do this. Because I was going to dive into this firstborn of the dead. But I want us to understand when it says the church. You know, you, you, hear, the, you hear this church, word church. And so often people outside the church think when they think of church, they think about the building. You know, but even... There's some misunderstanding within the body of Christ, within the church. If we think about, oh, I go to church, or we have church this morning, or I got to go to the church, and we use that language. But church literally means that word, and it's actually even used, ecclesia, that word is used even in Acts for uh, a pagan uh, uh, group, because it just means assembly. That word at its core just means assembly. Words mean how they're used. It's an assembly. Here. And he says the body, the church, he's saying something that's real specific. This is an assembly of people who have placed faith in Jesus Christ. So even doing like COVID time, when you're gathering as a family, y'all coming on, you know, uh, we're gathering, you're coming online and you're worshiping together with other people worshiping online. You're you're gathering together in some ways as a church because you're worshiping together at the same time under the same worship service. But more so when we come together, if we met in the parking lot. You know, we get two, three Christians together, you, you got a gathering of believers. It's a church. It's an assembly. It's a congregation. So we who order our lives, and you have the, the local church, which is the local expression, like the Rock Fellowship. But we got the universal church, our brothers and sisters all over the city, all over the state, all over the nation, all over the globe. We are the church. The church is an organism. It's people gathered under Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he says this, this is in regard to the church and creation again. It says that he's the firstborn from the dead. We have that firstborn language, but he changes the relationship. Instead of being firstborn over creation, he says this firstborn from the dead. He connects him to the dead, but he uses this from, and he's still carrying this, 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 this understanding of this authority from this leadership. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he rose from the dead to show that all power is in his hands. He's even more powerful than death itself. And he reigns as the firstborn, not just over creation now in its fallen state, but even the new creation. If you've heard me for any amount of time, you hear me say this often. And I try to say it as often as I can. The Christian hope is not that we say yes to Jesus, die and go to heaven. The Christian hope is that we say yes to Jesus and we now walk by faith in the promises that God has given us with the hope expectation, the hope filled expectation of eternal life in Christ, which means not just heaven, but the resurrection of glorified bodies to live in the new earth and new heavens to be with our Lord forever and ever and ever. The Christian hope is not just death into heaven. The Christian hope is that when God recreates, when he makes the new heaven and new earth does away with all sin and death once and for all, we will be with him forever and ever. That's the Christian hope. 
So when he says he's the firstborn from the dead, he's pointing to the validity of Jesus's resurrection from the dead and the hope filled expectation that we, too, will share in that kind of resurrection and live forever and ever and ever. Because remember, Jesus is the image of God, his firstborn over all creation. He's creator of everything, invisible and visible. Matter of fact, when he go back, he says oh, the thrones and, and rulers and authorities. He said the concept of a throne, the concept of authority, the concept of ruling created through Jesus. Meaning, ultimately, the Lord Jesus is calling the shots. Not your boss, not some king, not a president, not the Senate. No, the Lord, and all of us will have to answer to him. That's why I ask people all the time, hey, how you doing? Because we're going to have to stand before him and give an account. None of us are autonomous. None of us call our own shots. Now, we have the freedom to try but we're going to have to give an account because ultimately he's calling the shots. He says that he's the firstborn from the dead. He says that he's the beginning. And that beginning, that's a word that's not just used for the start of, because he is the, the creation started through him. But it's also the same word that's used for chief. He says that he, he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the, he's the chief. He, he's... He's the commander-in-chief. He's the king. He's calling it. He's running the show. When it comes to the church, we got to always remember, my hope is not in my pastor. My hope is not in the elder. My hope is not in the deacon. My hope and my allegiance is to Jesus. And everything else flows out of that. So he's the firstborn, he's the beginning, he's the chief. And then he tells us what he's done for the church. He says he's reconciled us through his crucifixion. This is so important. Remember, he's writing this to the Colossian church, and he wants them to understand, don't get distracted by these other faith systems, these other religions, these other philosophies, these other ways of thinking. He's going to go into that even more depth in chapter 2. But right now, he's setting his tone. He's like, don't get distracted by all these competing voices. I want you to understand what Jesus has done for you. See, in Genesis 3, sin enters the world of direct violation against God's word. Eve and Adam eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil as they were instructed not to do. Eve deceived by Satan himself. Adam follows a lead in disobedience. Sin enters the world and we have a break of relationship in humanity and God. That's why the scripture says, even in Luke, that Jesus has come to bring Peace on earth. It wasn't just peace between us doing away with wars. It was no, he's bringing peace. He is breaching. He is removing the hostility between us and God because our sin is an offense to God, our disobedience. And remember, God is not like us. God is holy. He's in a class all by himself. So he doesn't look at our sin and say, that ain't that big a deal. It's all right. Whether you, whether you commit murder or just plain prideful, Whether you are a racist or a fornicator, 
Whether you walk in sexual immorality or whether you're a liar and a thief, it's all sin and it's an offense to him. We have categories in our humanness. We look at stuff and say that's not that big a deal, but it's all all sinful. And it's not that we sit here and we're trying to earn God's forgiveness. It says in the scriptures in Romans that in our sin, in our nastiness, while we were enemies, Christ demonstrated his love for dying for us. Meaning he didn't say, I need you to get right, then come to me. He says, no, I'm going to pay for your sins. Come on, come on, I'm going to clean you up. That's what Jesus has done for us. Because of our broken relationship with the Lord and our disobedience, Jesus has come to reconcile that relationship. We hope this message is blessing you today. Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit DarylJones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L Jones.org. And subscribe to receive our refueled devotional and view other discipleship materials. Our goal is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. I understood what reconciliation meant, not just in human terms from one person to another, but I tore a tendon in my finger and the doctors went in, they placed an anchor. They attached my tendon to an anchor and anchored it back in the bone. There was a broken relationship. My finger couldn't function as it was intended to. Why? Because a relationship was broken. But they brought an anchor and they put that tendon attached to it and then they reattached it to the bone. And I was like, oh my gosh, now I understand. When I say Jesus is my anchor, I get it now. He reconciled me back to the Father so that we can even now experience reconciliation amongst one another. So when there's hatred, when there's division amongst us, you know what brings us together? Changed hearts through the gospel. And we come to understand that we are both created in the image of God and in his likeness. And we both stand before God in the same footing. And I'm going to love you as my neighbor, as I love myself, under me loving God with everything. That's the good news of the gospel. He has reconciled our broken relationships so that we may be with him forever and ever. Because what did he say? We were hostile in our minds. We were alienated from God. Right here in verses 20 through 23, we were alienated from God. But he has reconciled us. He has brought us back into relationship with the Father. Intimacy with the Father. That is what Jesus has done in his physical death on the cross. He says that he's done it in his body. And he did it. When I said he washes us up, faith in Jesus Christ, because of his work, it says that he presents us holy, faultless, and blameless. Sins washed away. You know what that's communicating to you? You don't have to make up for stuff you've done. You don't have to sit there and say, God, if you, if you just forgive me, I'll do this and this. No, Jesus has done that all for you. You don't have to tell God, look, I'm going to make it up. I'm going to go out here and I'm going I'm to I'm serve at church more and I'm going to do this more. No, it's not a quid pro quo relationship. All our service unto the Lord is out of a gratitude for what he's done. It's not to earn anything. So what, he, what, what, he, what he's sharing here and what he's going to unpack even more in this letter is for the believers to understand that they don't have to buy into some other belief system and say, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I'm good with God. God, God is cool with me. I, I've done what he wanted me to do. No, it's all by grace. So I just trust Christ and I give him glory. 
And that's our response. He says our response is that we remain steadfast in the faith. He says that we remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and not shifted away from the hope of the gospel. That's our response. How else should we respond? How else should we act on behalf of what God has done for us in Jesus? Like this whole, this whole passage right here, this whole Christ hymn is to stir the believer up to an unwavering faith in Jesus. To have an unwavering faith. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we understand its significance because of who he is. If he was just a person like me and you, we can't pay for one another's sins. We can't make up for it. But because he was the spotless, unblemished lamb of God, who is the image of God, the creator of all, laid down his life for me and you who do not deserve it. Matter of fact, we were his enemies. He has reconciled us so that we can experience that reconciliation. This is nobody else has done that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. So remain steadfast. Remain grounded. Because you know what? All these other competing voices, any other competing religion, it doesn't compare. There's no rival to Jesus. But you have this rivalry where they just don't like each other and they just go back and forth and it's, it's competition. When I say Jesus has no rival, there's nobody on his level. There are competing voices, but there's no competing message. There's no competing gospel. No other message saves. No other God saves. No other prophet brings a message that's outside of Christ. That message is phony, false, and deceptive because salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. There is no God to be known other than looking to Jesus Christ. If we want to know who God is, if we want to know and experience God in all his fullness, what did that scripture say in verse 19? For God was pleased that his fullness dwell in Jesus. His fullness. In chapter 2, he's going to say it again. I'm going to bring it up again in a couple of weeks. His fullness, the Fullness of deity dwelled bodily in Jesus. So when Jesus walked the earth, it's, we can call him the God-man. The theologians call it the hypostatic union. Fully man, fully God at the same time. It's a miracle because it's God. See, this is where even the, the dialogue of the Trinity, early on, the, the theologian credited with the, the, the word Trinity, you know, he, he, lived, he, he lived with the late, you know, third century, you know, uh, uh, sorry. He lived in the late second century, early third century. Some people credit right around 212 A.D., maybe even a little before that, the Latin word Trinitas. An African theologian, Tertullian, coined this term, reconciling what the scripture was teaching about Jesus and the Father. And the Holy Spirit. And they found that there was one God, monotheistic, three persons. And if we're going to see God, I said earlier in the sermon, when we go to heaven, if we, if we had died yesterday and we went before the Lord, we're not going to see three different dudes sitting on the couch. You're going to look at one. To see Jesus is to see God. He is the image of the invisible God. For the Father is spirit. God is spirit. The image of the invisible God is Jesus himself. Recently, I talked with somebody, the, the, the debate, the, the whole purpose 
And I got to bring some clarification. I'm going to go in and do it now in this message. You see people on social media bring up the council of Nicaea. I told you, this was already discussing from the faith given once and for all to the saints. Jesus is Lord. He's the image of the invisible God. You know, Tertullian coined the term 120 some years before Nicaea. But at the Council of Nicaea, you had a one bishop start to teach that Jesus had a beginning, that he was a created being and all other beings were created after him. Well, the bishops appeal to the then emperor who had recently become a Christian. And he brought everybody together and you had the African bishop Alexander and his deacon Athanasius wholeheartedly defend the deity of Jesus Christ. And that's where we get the Nicene Creed affirming that the Bible does teach that Jesus is everlasting. No beginning, no end, and that all of creation has come through him. He's not part of the creation. He is set apart of the creation and over the creation as the eternal son of God. He has no rival. There is no competitor in the race. If you think that I'm not on the same planet in a race against Usain Bolt, how much more than any other God or any other faith system when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the gospel of Jesus Christ, remember, he's over all creation. It is for the world. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. The same message that God has stepped in, saved us from our sins, that we may be reunited and reconciled back into fellowship with him with the promise from the creator of the heavens and the earth of eternal life with him. That is the good news of the gospel. All the brokenness you see is because of sin in the world. Jesus is the remedy. And he is our Lord, Savior, and King. Christ supreme. There's nothing on his level, no rival. All others fail in comparison. And right now, if you're watching, if you have never Given your life to this king, if you have never for yourself said yes to Jesus, I submit my life. I give my life. I surrender to Jesus. I'm no longer trying to be good. I'm not trying to, to grow in some kind of spiritualism. I, I, I understand that it's Jesus, the goal, the whole point I was created so that I can be in fellowship with Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus right now, I, I'm inviting you right now. You just say, Lord I say yes to Jesus. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I give you my life. And Jesus, help me walk out the purpose you've created me. Help me grow in my faith. I receive your Holy Spirit by faith in you. I trust you with my eternity and with my life now. If you have just said that to the Lord, not to me. Not just saying the words because it's not abracadabra. It's not a magic trick. It's not a formula. It's not a spell. If that's your confession, if that's your testimony, right here, you heard it on the announcements, right here on our streaming page, if you're watching on YouTube, even if you're watching on Facebook, click our church link. Go right there on that streaming page. We have a connect area. And I'm inviting you, if you said yes to Jesus, we want to follow up with you. We want you to under, we want to help you understand what this means to walk this thing out. This is what we're here for as the church. To help one another grow in the faith. You may not know what this means. We're going to help you with that. If you need a Bible, we're going to get a Bible to you. Whatever we can do to help you start to grow on this path with Jesus, you can walk out this life. We are here for you.
Jesus has no rival. He is supreme and he loves you. So fill that form out right now. And we're going to follow up with you because right now we believe, according to the promises of God, you are now a brother and sister in Christ. You are now born again by his spirit. You may be sitting there feeling, I don't feel it right now. It's not about feeling, it's about truth. And he said, this is what I'm doing. And you will start to recognize and see the new work that he's doing and his transforming power in your heart and in your life. And you're going to experience the joy of the Lord and knowing the forgiveness of your sins. There's a freedom that we have, and I want you to walk in that. Amen? Come on, pray with me right now. Father, I ask for those that gave their lives to Christ and those that may be wrestling right now and trying to understand that you are God, and thank you for your word that we can know you are true and that our faith be unshaken, unwavering because of who you are and what you've done for us. Hello, through we're going to give you all glory, honor, and praise. And we pray this. And confidence, because you are true. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Christ Supreme series, where we learn Jesus Christ has no rival and that he reigns supreme. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Christ Supreme series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.